Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This week my guest is Alan Hoskins and Alan's been on the show quite a bit, quite a few times and Alan is nice enough to come back on again. So Alan, how you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for the invitation back, Casey. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being on. So Alan is a uh, bit of an oddity. He's a banker, farmer, and jockeys a little equipment from time to time. And he is part of American Farm Mortgage out in Lexington, Kentucky. Is that right? Louisville, Louisville, Louisville yes, All right, I don't want to get beat up for that. So that'll, <laughs> that'll, Alan, there's man, it's been some crazy times right now, and I wanted to get you back on to kind of talk about from a banker's perspective, and you know, someone that that farms and kind of get your perspective on what you see happening out there. So there's a there's a million things going on right now. So you got the Fed coming out talking about raising interest rates in March. What they've kind of hinted to that, you know, twenty five basis points uh, up to uh, fifty basis points somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got operating notes that are, that are being increased because of interest. Number one, number two, um, price of inputs and, um, and also just the, the wildness of machinery pricing that you see out there right now. So mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about interest rates first and get your opinion there. So as you're talking with folks and you're, you're kind of looking at what's going on, what, what are you seeing? Like what, how are you approaching the higher interest rates now, even if they jump up a half percent, they're still at record lows record all-time you know, historic lows, but it's still another half a percent on millions of dollars. So I guess as you take a look at that, what what what's some of the approaches that you're having with your customers right now? Well, I think first of all, Casey, the discussion usually begins from the standpoint of let's not try to get into the mindset of trying to predict actions. Let's continue to conduct risk management strategies, which is kind of what we typically have done with folks over the years because one of the things that I've learned is that I don't have an ability to predict interest rate movements. And we hear discussions of what may occur. And I think rather than reacting to a discussion of what may, let's just talk about what we can do to manage risk. So first and foremost, I think it's always good to have a discussion and look at numbers that we shock interest rates. Because as you said, the discussion in the news, and we don't know what's really going to happen, obviously, but the discussion in the news is 25 or 50 basis points. 
what I would rather do is let's shock interest rates, maybe 100 basis points, 150, 200. Let's see what that does to your farm. We can also shock them 25 or 50 basis points. But if you're only talking about a single loan that is on a variable rate, because hopefully most operators that have some debt have taken advantage of this whole rate environment we've been blessed with for so long to be able to get a significant portion of their debt locked in. Now, operating loans, obviously, typically your operating loans are your shorter term interest rates and they're on more variable basis. Granted, you may lock them for a year, but what I would tell them, Casey, is let's not just be concerned about 22, let's look long-term. And that's the reason for shocking them maybe 100, 150, 200 basis points. And let's then, once we do that, let's look at, given the fact that long-term rates are still low, is there still an opportunity to hedge yourself from an interest rate perspective long-term if that hasn't already been done? So that's typically how those discussions are going. And also, one of the things that I tell people to keep in mind, <clears throat> let's not just shock it from a business perspective. If they are carrying credit card debt, for example, personally, <clears throat> pardon me, if they're carrying any credit card debt, that debt also needs to be shocked because those are variable rates and that has a direct impact on living expense. So we make sure that we look at interest risk in totality, both for the business and personal in having those discussions. All right. So the next thing is, let's talk about machinery for a minute. You look at machinery right now and the, the premium that's out there right now on machinery, especially that stuff that's available for sale and are available for purchase immediately. Mm -hmm. As a lender, when you're looking at that, how are you approaching that with, you know, these, these times in history are, are very short lived. You know, you might have, you know, mm -hmm. 12 to 18 months worth of this really mm -hmm. premium opportunity mm -hmm. to, to get a, a piece of equipment and, and pay high dollars for it. And then, you know, what does that look like down, you know, down the line, but as you're looking at this stuff, are you, are you looking at down payment structures differently than you normally would? I mean, how, how are you, how are you looking at that to really help the customer? You know, Casey, I think we could do a whole show just on that because I think yeah. there's a lot of facets from it. Yeah. You know, first and foremost, and I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here, but I do want to yeah. kind of delve into this a little deeply. With what you're talking about, I think one of the first things that producers need to look at, where are they on their insurance coverage on their existing equipment? because we've seen such a dramatic rise in used equipment values. One of the things I want them to be mindful of is are you adequately covered from a risk perspective? Because what happens this fall, if you have a combine fire, do you have replacement cost coverage? Yeah. How will you source that? Do you have uh, the ability to have some rental expense paid for you? So, that is a conversation that I'm having with people right now. Relative to trading, um, one of the things before we talk about a trade that we're also discussing is, have you evaluated your true needs on your equipment line? Because if there's any excess to be sold and it's good used equipment, wow, what an opportune time to be able to generate some cash flow and move some iron that maybe you're not using on a consistent basis. 
example. And so that's also a discussion. Regarding the trades on the down payment side, if it's a new purchase, you know, if an institution has a blanket lien for the most part, there's probably going to be some equity there. So there may or may not be a down payment if the institution is doing the financing. Obviously, that's going to vary on a producer by producer basis. But if if someone's looking at a new outright purchase, say they need to add a second combine, it may be a case where the institution has plenty of equity in the existing equipment line and a down payment may not be required. Again, case by case basis. What I would tell people is not terribly different than discussions that we've had previously. If it's time to do just an outright trade, let's not talk about just cost. Let's talk about how are you going to generate additional revenue with this? What are the technology upgrades that are going to allow you to have more profitability? But I will say one of the things that is a little different today than historically has been, I think the importance of that three to five year plan of what is going to need to be done really needs to be looked at because we don't have the luxury anymore necessarily of being able to, whether it's a new piece of equipment or a used piece of equipment, we don't have the luxury of having some of the shorter timeframes that we're accustomed to in order to replace things. So I would suggest having that plan developed in saying, here are my priorities for the first three years, here are my priorities for the last two of that five-year plan, and being able to say, what do I do if one of these items that we do truly need to upgrade, what if it becomes an emergency? How will we handle that? Is there going to be an opportunity to maybe have somebody do a little custom work for me or be able to rent maybe a neighbor's or if it's not a neighbor, somebody a little further away machine to be able to get me through that downside? Um, saw a case last fall where a farmer actually went out and bought a second combine because of the parts shortage. He couldn't get something yeah. he needed. So, you know, I think having that plan to where I'll say it this way, Casey, there, there's an analogy that I've heard. If, if you have an illness and you go to the doctor and he gives you medicine, if you have a reaction to the medicine, that's not a positive thing. If you respond to the medicine, that's something you want to have happen. What I would say in today's world, you want to be responsive to your long-term equipment strategy, not have to be reactive to circumstances that may arise. That's where having that plan really is important. And understanding how valuable and I know that you're in this business, but, and I'm not saying this because it's you, I say this to everyone, having that relationship with your dealer is critical today. Mm -hmm. And making sure that you take advantage of the knowledge that that dealership has regarding inventory levels, other relationships that dealer may have with other dealers. I think it's really critical to Make sure that your equipment dealer is part of your inner circle of advisors and have conversations with them no differently than you're having with your crop consultants or your crop insurance agents so that you can develop that plan. The other thing that I'll also say in the cash flows that, that they put together, whether they have any equipment debt or not, 
have a number put into that cash flow for equipment replacement and make sure that money is set aside each year. And I know a lot of producers say, look, I can't earn any interest on that money. It's not really doing me any good. Well, I would argue, particularly in a period of rising interest costs, yes, you're not going to earn a lot of money on that cash that's in the bank, but as interest rates continue to rise, if they do, then it's going to minimize interest expense somewhere down the road because there's going to be funds set aside to make the trade difference as opposed to borrowing the money. Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. It's, it's a good way to take a look at that. The next question I have for you is when I am, I'm real big on trade cycles. I think trade cycles are important and everyone's trade cycle is totally different. You know, what your trade cycle is and what my trade cycle is are all are totally different. It's all dependent on your adaptation to technology, your thirst for repairs, um, the ability of repairs you can make. I mean, there's, there's a million different things that go on trade cycles, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that being said, this is a unique time frame, in my opinion, where your typical trade cycle really needs to go back and be reexamined and, and take a look at what you're buying something for today and what you can sell it for at the end of a season or at the end of a year or whatever it might be. In some cases, maybe you might get more for it than you actually bought it for, you know, just because of availability and all the things that go into play. Mm-hmm. When you have those conversations with your customers, how are you taking a look at 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 what they would have a traditional trade cycle might be now? And, and are you how are you having that conversation to kind of point in one direction or another? First and foremost, I couldn't agree more with what you just said about having the trade cycle. And, and that allows people, again, to be responsive versus re- reactive. And how that conversation would sound in many cases would be, so let's talk about, historically, you've been rolling your combine every two years, three years. You've been updating your planter tractor, updating your primary tillage tractor, grain cart. You know, here's kind of where you've been historically. And obviously, that's predicated upon them having a good relationship with their banker. But what I would say, Casey, is then we engage in that conversation about, so when you've talked to your dealer, what did you find out that they were telling you about your availability? Because what I want to learn first and foremost is what homework has this farmer done? Because at the end of the day, I'm not there or there shouldn't be any banker there mandating to the farmer, this is what you need to do. It should be more a case of tell me what you learned first so that, because as you said, every operation is different. What I want to know is what they've done so that we can be as productive as possible with that discussion. And I can maybe utilize some knowledge of what I've seen others doing to offer thoughts or ideas. But I think in the limited availability that we're seeing today, having that discussion of they said, yes, I've been to the dealer and here's kind of what they're telling me in our, in our area, this is kind of what we're seeing. And I know, you know, with the world we have today that the world's kind of gotten smaller to a certain degree and that pieces of equipment can move over larger geographic areas today than what they did 20, 30 years ago. But what I want to hear from them is here's kind of what I'm finding out. This is how it could affect me from a cash flow perspective. This is kind of what I think my needs could be. 
and let's massage that into our numbers, look at the cash flow. And obviously here we're talking about true cash flow analysis, not profitability analysis. And I think, Casey, that's one of the major things farmers need to be doing today, maybe in contrast to what they've historically done, because in a lot of cases with financing discussions, it's about profitability. What I'm looking at today is let's talk about your cash flow needs because we know equipment's gone up, we know inputs have gone up. Let's look at what your cash flow needs are going to be, and let's look at that trade cycle of how it may need to be modified so that we can better understand how your cash flow may be affected and be prepared for that trade when that opportunity comes along. Because one of the things I'm really telling people today, even if you're not truly in the market today, if your traditional cycle says you need to trade combines in a year, if you find an opportunity today, let's figure out a way that we've already got it massaged into your numbers to where we can make that work today. Because what's here today, you know, it used to be that we'd say what is here today may not be here tomorrow. What I would say today is what's here this morning may not be here this afternoon. And by mid-morning, it might not be there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Now, that's that's a good point. And that, that's one of those things that I, this kind of conversation I like to have with my customers, you know, if if you are looking at doing something where you're going to be trading your combine every two years and a tractor every three years type of thing, this might be one of those rare occasions where you take a look at trading your combine every year and mm -hmm. assuming that there's something available, you know, mm -hmm. every year we do that and then, you know, take a look at maybe running your tractor every, you know, every other year trading out, maybe you have three or four tractors, you know, every other year we kind of work, kind of work your way through those just to take advantage of the, of the, of the equity mm -hmm. that's out there right now to, to be had. Right. And it's just, a, it's an odd times. One of those things where you kind of have to, you know, you have to weigh what's right for you. Like you said, your cash flow and those kind of things, you got to weigh all that stuff, but there's opportunities to build some equity in equipment right now. And I think Casey, this is always true, but I think it's really exaggerated right now. Having that plan be dynamic mm -hmm. is more critical. I think than what we've seen certainly over the last decade. And what I mean by that is, yes, we have a plan, but when an opportunity presents itself, let's not let the plan be structured in stone. We want flexibility in that plan. And that's where the discussion, both with the dealership and if there's going to be any financing with the lending institution are really, I mean, it's really important so that the action can be taken quickly. And not necessarily say, well, this is my plan, so I'm going to stick to it. I'm not saying abandon the plan, but I am saying make sure there's flexibility in there. And if it's a true opportunity, maybe it's something that needs to be done now rather than later. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Last question. Um, and just more from an operating perspective and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. As you take a look at the landscape right now and your guys are really kicking the idea around of, of what that crop mix is going to look like and, and how are all those things going to play together. Um, input costs are, are top of mind with about everyone I talk with um, mm -hmm. out there. As you're looking at operating costs and, and the, the steep increase in um, the cost of operation compared to what it was in, in 2021, uh, 2021 planning season, planning costs anyway. Um, mm -hmm. As you look at this stuff we see now, what are your, some of your thoughts there and how you advise your customers on that? Well, first and foremost, I always like 
for there to be positive elements to any conversation. And one of the most positive elements that is consistent today, at least in the geographic area where most of our producers are located, we were incredibly blessed with both good yields and good prices. So producers, for the most part, are sitting on some really good working capital positions that will help, from a price perspective, buffer some of the challenges that are going to be dealt with here in the 2022 crop year. So there's definitely a positive element in where we are beginning this process. If we were sitting here two years ago, maybe three with some of the working capital levels that were there due to lower commodity prices, it'd be a whole different conversation than we're having today. So from a 2022 crop year perspective, yes, the prices are challenging. Availability, depending upon where you are, could be a bigger challenge than price, candidly, even with price being where it is. I think the producers that I've talked to and some of the other lenders that I've talked to in different parts of the country, the producers are doing a good job of not panicking. They're doing a good job of, I think, looking at reality and understanding that they are running a marathon, not a sprint. They're looking at 22 as being another crop year that they participate in in their lives, not this is the make or break year. Yeah. Now, that's a healthy perspective to start out with, first and foremost, because it, it does help to have a long-term mindset rather than I've got to worry about today. So what I would say is I've not seen wholesale abandonments of typical crop rotations. I've really enjoyed some of the conversations that I've been a part of because I think producers are doing a really nice job for the most part of doing cost-benefit analysis for corn and soybeans, both. And they're looking at what storage levels do I have. So at the end of the year, when they factor in tax considerations even of storing crops, am I going to be better off if I'm a little heavier beans this year because I have the ability to store more dollars? Or will my typical crop rotation still work, depending upon what part of the country you're in, you know, north of us, uh, obviously, there was uh, the ability to put on the fall applied nitrogen. So they've kind of made some longer term decisions, longer term being this crop year only, if you will. But most of the producers that I've talked to are doing a good job of looking at the ground they have, looking at its productivity capability. They're also doing a good job, Casey, I think of what I said earlier, looking at cash flow analysis this year. Yeah, profitability is important. We have to have profitability. I'm not saying that. But if they're going to go heavier corn this year, and you alluded to it earlier, maybe that operating line level is going to have to be bumped up a little bit. Or if they don't have an operating line, they're going to be comfortable having a little bit less cash in the bank for a while this year. So I think that's a real positive. The other thing, and, and I've had three of these conversations in the last two days, I think they're doing a really good job of understanding how crop insurance is going to factor in this year. And I think they're looking at that in some decisions as far as what crops are going to be planted because they're looking at what is 
my ability to cushion the blow in the event of a bad year because of crop insurance? Does it make sense to buy up a little bit this year? So all of those discussions are being factored in. And again, I'm really pleased with the fact that I think there, most producers are looking at it from a true risk management perspective and not just saying, I've always done this and this is what we're going to do because this is just a one-year thing and it's going to pass. Fortunately, that attitude is very, very minimal in today's world. So I think most of the producers have done a really nice job of building their business acumen and are truly evaluating their farm for what it is. It's a business that's going to generate their living expense. So yep. I'm I'm pretty pleased, Casey, with some of the things that I'm seeing. Well, that's good. So it's that's good to good to hear that because I think there's a there's there's a lot of uh, um, you know the the cost of what's the word I'm looking for here the cost of of the un, of the unknown of what's coming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's so much out there right now that it's so hard to make a plan based around stuff that you mm-hmm. just don't. It's uncertainty. You don't know what that looks like out there. So you're mm-hmm. trying to figure all that out. So. That's good to have guys like you that sit and talk with them on that on that basis. So, Alan, hey, well, good stuff, Alan. This has been a really good podcast. Again, I'm glad you could make it on. If folks are running to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that, Alan? Uh, they can reach out to me through my email address, which is ahoskins at americanfarmmortgage.com. Or they can reach out to me, Casey, if they, you know, I will always welcome phone calls. And they certainly can reach out to me through the American Farm office as well. Right on. Good stuff. Well, Alan, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Really enjoyed it, as always. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to movingironloc.com for all the latest editions of the Moving Iron, Iron Podcast blogs and also information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. So if you want more information about that, go to the website or send me an email at movingironloc or moving iron podcast at moving iron podcast.com and i'll get back to you as soon as i can so with that i am casey seymour with alan hoskins let's go be smart folks out axon tire is going to have more tips tricks and client advice throughout the year and in september at the moving iron summit in nashville if you're looking to sign up for the event please head over to moving iron llc.com we hope to see you there Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher in the 21st century.